everyone. Welcome to Here for the Health of It podcast. We are your guests. I'm Dr. Randy. This is Dr. Tom. And we appreciate you guys listening, all you guys that are tuning in in your vehicles or wherever you're at, um, following us on Instagram. We're sharing behind the scenes stuff and clips on there. And as many of you know, we are Columbia's hottest, best, fastest growing, juiciest, most prominent, classiest, most distinguished, sexiest, most reliable, most lit, most fetch, most dope, flashiest, and most eccentric podcast in Columbia. He wasn't ready for that. <laughs> and our guest doesn't know what to think about that. Um, we got a big treat for you today. We have Jason Brunson. He's the owner of Arena Athletic Club. And AAC is a gym located in Forest Acres that strives to provide a health, fitness, and athletic product for each member of the family. Um, so, so welcome to the show. show. Thanks for being here. Thanks, man. Thank you all for having me. So tell us kind of what your gym does and who it's geared toward. I know you said most members of the family, but who's your primary client that you see? So we, we break it down into two categories, uh, mainly a morning category, which is can be anywhere, any adult style um, client, but we can get into that avatar client as we get to talking. And the afternoon is very uh, um, youth, youth driven, eight to 18. Um, that's changed a lot in the past years. And there's multiple reasons why that's going from when we used to be 16, 17, 18 college minor league professional baseball. That's totally done a shift to eight to 12 or pre drivers, as I call it. Um, but a lot of that has to do with geography. A lot of that has to do with how the school systems are now hiring coaches. So that's naturally and organically changed on its own. So we've had to change and stay ahead of that to be able to stay in the athletic realm. Um, in the morning, we we have clients from, first of all, we have three products we offer. We okay. have a small group training program for adults, a one-on-one personal training program for adults, and then our athletic um, program for youth. So in the middle of the day, our, you know, from 11 till 3, is pretty quiet in there, and we have key fobs for memberships um, for the people who are some type of member will do a, a, a added bonus with a key fob type thing for it. They just come in and work out whenever they want. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's 11 to 11. Then they, we don't have any services on the weekend. So it's a, it's a way like for them to gym. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So our gym split down the middle. The left side is personal training. The right side is a group fitness room. Mm-hmm. In the morning, that group fitness room is used for adults. In the afternoon, it's used for youth and teen training. Cool. And so, so the so the youth stuff is like professional people who want to be professional in whatever sport they're going towards. Is that the primary client base? Uh, no, it's probably the exact opposite. Oh, okay. <laughs> so we run, we run. I so I was about to answer the question totally different. I was, I was about to say it's for every dad that thinks his child yes, wants to be a professional. Yeah. That that's the, us. Yeah. But it's the exact opposite. So we run along what's called the long-term athletic development model. You find it big in uh, countries like Australia and, and Canada, and they usually actually run their PE programs off of it. And essentially what it means is that you're going to find and meet a kid where they're at in their growth stage and not their chronological stage. So we do a lot with puberty, um, how to train a kid pre-puberty, during puberty, and post-pubescent years. Mm-hmm. Um, so you take the age out of it. You take the whole, that's a big kid. He needs to do bigger, better things. It's usually the kid that's left behind. And then when you get really into it and you dive deep with female athletes, you've got a lot to dig into there, especially, you know, before menstrual cycles and all that kind of stuff and how you train those female athletes. So I would say we really, really dive into the growth stage of that athlete and where we're going to take them 
Uh, doesn't mean it's going to be drastically different from their peers, but if you have a, a five five girl at 11 years old and weighs 90 pounds versus a four foot 10, 11 year old girl who weighs 90 pounds, you better treat them differently. Um, or that individual is going to lose and you're not giving the best product you can get. Yeah. There's a lot with, we call things puberty pain. Um, a lot of your, you know, your, your patella tendonitis, your Achilles, yeah. Achilles issues, your, uh, you know, I was just going to slaughter is not always a potential it's not always a problem of um, puberty pain, but it very much what can be when you have bone growth and sure. everything else is behind. So we see a lot of that. Um, and for that is how we, we think that um, proper resistance training can take care of a lot of those issues and yeah. growth, muscle development. Yeah. And that's kind of what we go at, better movement and just strengthening the athlete. Do you have sport-driven pathways? Say somebody wants to be a, a, a golfer. Do you then train them with muscle grouping and flexibility and different things towards the sport? Or is it just more generalized training? As they get older, yes. But at still at that development age, we're just trying to be a better athlete, a better, a more resilient athlete. Gotcha. Um, less injury-prone. Uh, be more explosive and whatever their capabilities are, just to push it a little bit, make it a little bit better, everything a little bit better. Um, you're going to have your athletes that are that are born that come in. They're going to, you know, show out. They're going to yeah. look right off the bat, but that doesn't mean everything is ready. Then you're going to have your athletes who can't bend over, touch their toes, or jump over a tape line. Um, it's just you meet them each where they're at, and you kind of take them from there. Yeah, I hit puberty when I was, I think, in fifth grade or sixth I was five to six years earlier than everybody else. It felt like, and I was just I was five eight when I was <laughs> I don't know twelve years old. So I was dominating sports, but there was there was nothing workout wise that was different at that time that I that I knew of. Or like lifting weights, you would just lift whatever you could, not necessarily based on that. But I did have friends who they had uh, Oshud Slaughters, I think, and his knee soccer players. Uh, so what what kind of prevalence is that are you seeing right now in those types of like chronic, maybe overuse injuries that are related to puberty? Mm. Well, you just threw that word overuse in there and that can get, that's a whole different. Whole different category. Okay, so let's say maybe not overuse, but growth related you, you injuries. See you see it all year long, um, but you just adapt. And again, you don't, you don't take the, you have your, you have your plan A. Mm -hmm. Let's say 20% of the people who come in your gym can do plan A. And then you have to, you know, get off of that and help this person with this certain or this person with this certain individual different thing. It's not you know, you're not changing wholesale, but you want to adapt it to them so they develop. And a little bit does go into sports. We know that female athletes in that 12, 13, 14 really need posterior shoulder work. Um, they really need ankle mobility and hip strength. Mm -hmm. um, does that mean we want to squat them all um, with a barbell on their back? No, it could be anything from a. 12-year-old girl who's doing a 30-pound med ball squat or, you know, getting getting to that safety bar squat or whatever it could be, mm -hmm. you still have to attack those things for that sport and that age and, mm -hmm. and to that individual. Um, but it's not it's not like you just totally throw everything you planned off the, off the grid. You make little adaptations yeah, here and there. And, yeah. and I do have a friend who has a, they have a 14 year old daughter who's really good at volleyball mm -hmm. and same thing, just injured them, like injured herself. Hey, what should I do about my shoulder now? 
And it's tough post-injury then yes. to say, well, you're in the middle of the season. You've been playing every day for the last 10 weeks, and now you're injured. And, of course, they want to be back. You know, that age wants to be back immediately mm-hmm. no matter what. Uh, so when you're talking about, let's say, a shoulder, just like you kind of brought up, what are things that they should or shouldn't be doing at that age? Hmm. And we're talking volleyball or just – I would say vo- – well, yeah, let's go with volleyball in this case. It's not so much that – well, they shouldn't be just sitting around. They should be getting some type of exercise. Um, you want to go on more hip strength and posterior shoulder strength, but obviously you want to train the whole body. Whole body yeah. And then ankle mobility because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them won't be able to bend, move the ankles in order to get into a proper you know, set or to jump and all that. And you can improve vertical jump in any athlete by just improving dorsal flexion. Uh, and then you add strength on top of that and yeah. so on and so on. Um, but your overhead athletes, tennis, swimmers, volleyball, mm-hmm. pitchers, they all have to attack that posterior shoulder and upper back all earlier in Definitely. life need to. So it's not enough for them to just be playing all the time. You think they need a workout program as well? Yes. Yeah. You're going to have your other – you're going to have your athletes that are durable, but we don't believe in year-round athletes. We don't believe in year-round baseball, and, you know, um, that's the one we see the most uh, – the year-round baseball athletes is what we see the most injuries out of. Mm-hmm. And baseball is our biggest um, client. Mm-hmm. What, what are, so, so when, when it comes, comes to kids, kids, what are good metrics to, I guess, create and measure kids up against? I know when, when I was young in gym class, they had like the, the presidential award or whatever that was, where it was like, you're the, the reach test, the pull-ups, the mile run. Yeah, beep test. I remember the beep test. Beep wow. Test. Did you guys have that here? Is that, that like touch? I think we call it like a shuttle run where you touch a cone. It, like it know. beeps. It starts beeping, and then you have to run across the gym and back, Wait, and then you have to run before the next one. You guys don't have that? Oh, that's Canadian. Okay. Um, is there anything you you look at that you go, all right? Here's some good metrics. Um, more generally for uh, developmental ages? Um, You can always measure the vertical from a performance standpoint. We always want to get the vertical early. We always want to get the standing broad jump early. Um, Typically a shuttle drill. Um, Sorry to interrupt. Vertical meaning you have them stand stand and touch and then you have them jump and touch with a piece of chalk or something on their finger? Okay. That's That's pretty generalized across all sports. Broad jump. So basically what you're going to measure is vertical power versus linear power. Um, and then you <laughs> do some type of change of direction drill, typically your 510-5 shuttle. Yeah. Those are three general performance things you, yeah. you can measure. Um, when we first got into this, we did a lot of the uh, FMS, functional movement screening of the older athletes. Uh, you can see a lot of asymmetries after baseball season, uh, and that will give you a good guideline of, uh, how to help correct those asymmetries and bring them back to a stronger <coughs> meaning, meaning like their right shoulder is way bigger than their left shoulder or their right quad is bigger than their left quad uh, stuff like that but balance um, are they more are they out of balance on their right side versus their left side uh, hip flexion uh, all of the above we just we don't deal with that type of athlete as much anymore mm-hmm. um, the strength and conditioning coaches here locally uh, there's more of them so the kids are getting more strength, and strength fixes a lot, a good bit of that. Yeah. Um, and the education <laughs> for strength coaches is better now as well. 
the old football way of doing it. I and I remember because I have a friend who went through. He was a really good football player, and he went through the whole program of um, just lift heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier, basically until you get injured. And I think they're getting away from that now in the football world. But I'm curious what that's like because there's a few guys that come in, and I know they're squatting heavier than what they should, and it's just to look good in their high school football locker room or maybe not even weight room, I guess. And, and I'm curious where, where you look at to, to football players that are kind of in that range too. Well, like kids doing that, that's, it's being pushed from our outside source. There's leaderboards up there. There's right. strength yes. conditioning meets. There's things that that's just what he's being guided to or so. So he's going to go in there and do his best to compete. Kids want to compete. There's two kids. There's two things kids want. They want discipline and they want a competitive, competitive, um, atmosphere yeah um our beliefs uh my personal beliefs and what our trainers would do while they're at our gym we're always going to preach movement over maxes that's a term um from a strength coach at tcu baseball his name skips my mind right now but that's one that we've gathered from him we're always going to look at the three rep max if if we even try to look at that we have to do a with the older kids and we have to do a a, a good job of balancing what they're getting outside of our environment. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of business owners in the athletic realm miss it. They, they're trying to be the head coach, so to say, as a business owner, this is my program. You're my athlete. And that's bullshit. Um, that's the athlete is his, he's he or her himself. And they're shared. If they come to us, they're trying to get help. What we have to be is an extension to that school coach. Who's that kid? responsible to is to that school is to that family the family reaches out to us then we should be an extension of whatever their program is adapt to that and then help grow the athlete from there so sometimes it's just simple stress management you can see your kids overly stressed on different you know movements in the weight room or it could be mental stress and we just you know get him moving get him better get him you know stretched out um just work on some mobility um, just when they get older and they're a little bit more high-performing athlete, then you, you, it's kind of the fun part of the job where you get to kind of break it down and just kind of dig a little deeper. Mm -hmm. um, when they're younger, you're, you're you're trying to get them to the next level of life, so to say. Yeah. How many trainers do you guys have currently at that facility? And then um, how do you onboard them so that they gain your knowledge and philosophy to approach everything consistently? Um, currently we have four trainers and onboarding them has not been a process that, that I've, I've really fine tuned. Um, we've done it through, uh, through our internship program and our internship program will get most of our people from, uh, Arnold School of Health over here, not Arnold School of Health, uh, that's a, I think that's a graduate program from the exercise science program over here at USC. Nice. We just do it through there. My SPH portal. Uh, we we do look for individuals who have a who have a passion for possibly going the you know going the trainer route or going the coaching route, and you have to kind of weed through because most of the we do get are wanting to go PT route, chiropractor route, right? So secondary school. Uh, so we doesn't we don't have a huge pool. Um, the current. My head coach right now, she was a former speech pathologist no who came, moved to town. Uh, and I need to back up a little bit. I solely look for soft skills. 
If you've got the soft skills and you have a desire to coach, I can help you be a good coach. You can come in, you can learn our stuff. Um, what we do is not that, it's it's a KISS method. Um, so if I can find someone with the soft skills, I can build them into a coach if that's what they want to do. Describe soft skills. Yeah, is that, that, um, hurt, is that, is that like, like Randy's biceps, biceps or? Uh, soft skills, just <laughs> interactive interactions with people. Um, I like to think they'd be a good front desk person or a good manager for the whole staff. Um, how do they react to someone when they come in the door? The, the individual Sarah that I'm talking about now, uh, she was working at our, out at our CrossFit gym at lunch and happened uh, did know her husband, so it was easier to kind make conversation. Her, yeah, yeah. Um, she's been with me three years now, and um, the gentleman, the other gentleman who I would say is kind of our assistant head coach, um, he's had a passion for doing the personal training thing and has been in the industry for a very long time, and he's only 26 years old. I think he started out like janitorial services at 16. So he's kind of a lifer. Um, and then Tyler is another young man that just kind of came to us, just kept hanging out. If you look at the history of the trainers through Athletes Arena and now Arena Factory, the, the ones who were really good and became long-term just kind of came and hung out. Mm -hmm. So the hangout yeah. process, they just wanted to learn. It was someone who was wanting to see what we were doing. They heard good things, came, hung out, and it stuck. Yeah. Is, and is there a, a certain fitness level that they should be? Because I, I think about that sometime. Even if I decided I was going to be a personal trainer, in my head there's a certain fitness level that I – should have and i'd be nervous if i didn't have that but then i've also seen people who maybe didn't have the fitness level that people just love being around them and they felt comfortable in that so i'm curious how you look at the fitness aspect when you're hiring a person uh, i don't look at that up that doesn't matter i mean if if they fit they fit I've, I've i've seen um what would be turned to me as out of shape coaches who people loved right mm -hmm. and i've seen really in shape dudes and women that they were terrible coaches yeah. Um, the best athletes, they were terrible coaches. Um, so I, I don't look for that in the process of trying to find um, new coaches. That's good. Take, Take us back, back to just, I'm curious about your story. Like what got you into one, like personal training and, and then thinking about like the entrepreneurial business side of things to, to running gyms. And, and you mentioned before the show that you kind of, you, you also were in the CrossFit space. Kind of take us back through your story a bit. I uh, started out at Heathwood Hall. They had hired me to be a um, an assistant to the varsity football team, and that took off really quick and really well. At the time, um, the head coach was getting older and just couldn't do the weight room. I got pushed in the weight room, knew I knew nothing about the weight room or in, a, in the ability to coach right. youth um, and, and have the ability to command a weight room. Put a product was there. Uh, I ended up getting a practicum at IMG Academies for like a two-week practicum. You go down there, you hang out with our strength conditioning coaches. And at that time, I was just making kind of organic um, mentors in yeah. the field. Um, that practicum helped me out a lot. It, if What it did was create a network that I didn't have. Sure. Came back here in town. Um, Coach Schrock, who's the longtime strength conditioning coach and probably the most well-known strength conditioning coach in high school, maybe in the country. Really? Um, yeah. He was at Burns High School and at the time up in Spartanburg, and I would go up there. I would listen. Um, 
there was another gentleman who was the head strength coach at USC at the time. He didn't mind me coming in for the football team, didn't mind me coming in. And so I, I was just trying yeah. to be a sponge and eat it up, learn as much as I can. Um, Were you, you from, from here then? Is that, that like, like your, did you play, play sports and stuff here? No, I'm no? from a small town about an hour away, okay. uh, Sumter. Um, but grew up going to school in Manning, mm-hmm. which is even smaller. Yeah. Um, so just creating mentors sure. and, and learning a lot of stuff that I don't use or never needed to use. Um, but kind of building your toolbox. And then through the years, I met Josh Ortegan and uh, Shane Miller, who owned Athletes Arena, and probably the 2000s, about, about two years after I've been doing it. And I wanted to learn more and wanted to learn more, so I would just go out there and hang out. And then the kind of, hey, I don't want to go to, I don't want to work in a school system. Yeah. I, I want to be my own boss type mm, thing. Sure. Kind of took over, and that led to me, and just started my personal training in Forest Acres, and then a couple afternoons of the week, I'd go out there and train athletes, um, and that kind of started teaching me how to train athletes in the in the private setting, and learning the business side and how to promote myself. And yeah, um, it, it was it's, a, it's a been a long, very organic trail that's still growing. Yeah, um, we yeah. got up to Shane and I had athletes arena. He had Irmo. I had here. Um, we were in ascent physical therapy for the past six years, kind of outgrew that space, just went all in on Forest, um, forest Drive. Um, so now we have our own big 3,000 square foot gym. We're still trying to figure out how to run that monster. Sure. Um, co-owner of Carolina CrossFit, and I'm also a co-owner of a company called The Hit Zone. It's an indoor hitting facility for baseball, softball lessons. Really? Yeah. Um, and, you know, that entrepreneurial spirit, uh, it gets you in trouble sometimes too. Yeah. A lot, a lot less sleep than you need. Right. But yeah, it's right. it's all kind of driven around the fitness side of things, one way or another. There's opportunity. You at least want to open the door and you know see what it's about. Nice. Um, we've done that a lot. Those are the three that's kind of stuck. Always looking. Um, look really, really hard during the pandemic. You know, bringing a franchise, um, a different franchise, even a. a even a, a kid's franchise of strength right. to Columbia. Um, whatever the case, it didn't happen. Um, so we kind of went with our own yeah. thing, just rebranded Athletes Arena and Arena Athletic Club. That's, That's what I was wondering. wondering. When, when, when Brittany was telling us about um, you, you guys, guys working with kids, kids I, was I was trying to think I've never, or I don't know of any other kids-type gym um, facilities in Columbia. Are there? Is there any sort of... Not necessarily competition, competition but, but others that are somewhat like you or that they take children to, uh, to in that age group to start developing them? Not so much in that youth age group. Yeah. Um, well, yes, we have competition, plenty of competition in the, the, the high school realm. Right. But in the middle school, in that lower school, and as we keep getting – and we're not really looking to expand across Columbia. We want to own the three-mile radius around our gym. Right. And there's plenty enough youth right here, and families yeah. to for us to survive off of. And deliver a good product in that, and that's when this building came to us right here beside Kudzu. Um, it was a no-brainer if we get the numbers worked out. Yeah, um, and you can dig all into the you know the numbers of household income and all that, but that's yeah, you know, that's a different podcast. But yeah, and business-based, but it just made sense, and um, so we went all in, and we're just about four or five months in, and our our youth training again, it was really six, 15, 16. Kids with license. Now it's transitioning. We're still tr- developing that model. Um, 
we, we do we have the fitness side of it, but developing a model of the year-round business, so yeah. to say. We're very seasonal right now. We'll see a kid for three months and gone. Yeah, very yeah. off-season driven. So this a this a from the marketing standpoint and the programming standpoint, we're still trying to, and that's where I'm looking outside of the walls of the the the, the circle of fitness. I think the karate studios, the dance studios, the um, cheerleading, cheerleading. They, that's yeah. That's what we have to figure out. Sure. Um, and kind of, you know, learn from their businesses and how they, you know, bring their revenue in. Um, from the fitness side, I'm, we're pretty confident we've we've got that part figured out. But how do we how do we make this a twelve year? I mean, excuse me, a twelve month program. And I'm not saying you keep the kid for twelve months. Sure. But your marketing calendar, you got to yes. be three months out of out in front of the next off season, right. yep. so to right. say. Um, that, well, that was going to be my question. So I have an, I have a eight and a half year old daughter who's pretty into golf, and then Tom has a nine year old son who's really into soccer. So if if you're talking to the parent, we're saying where does it start or what does it look like if we brought them in to see you, or what age would we bring them in to see you? Can you kind of walk through your process of how you assess them and then where they go from there? Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. Um, so it's it's pretty simple to start out with. We have to make sure that, that the kid is comfortable because yeah. there's going to be some kid. I had a new young lady last night. I think she's 11. Mm-hmm. Off the walls. Um, bouncing off the walls. Saw a friend High she hadn't. Energy. Yeah, saw a friend she hadn't seen. You know, she's hugging. So you yeah. kind of, the first thing you have to do, and I'll get into the, you know, the, the functional stuff. Yep. Yeah. It's just make sure they understand that it's, an environment for learning because mm-hmm. you're going to get the other kid that's the exact opposite that's intimidated. Mm-hmm. So once you create the environment for learning, then you start educating and make sure that, you, that the parent understands that this is an educational platform too. Yes, fitness and physical preparation is the majority of it, but we have to we have to make sure that all parties understand that this is an educational um, platform. We are not a boot camp. We're not here to make your child throw up because he's got bad grades or smart right. off to you. Um, we actually don't even allow the parents in. I let them stay the first time, but they got to go the next time, um, or they'll be working out right beside them, um, harder than they want to be. Um, uh, so we teach them the dynamic warm up. We we think that just understanding the dynamic warm up and how to do it, and we don't change it whether they're eight or even when we had all the older college. And I still get plenty of college athletes who come home. We're not changing the dynamic warm up. We want them to learn how to move better warm up properly because when they go out to their club sports they're going to get out there they're going to run around chase each other which is also good Mm -hmm. but they're not going to learn how to warm up properly in a multi-directional so we want them to learn that we would love for them to go do that on their own when their team isn't we we hammer that and we're pretty i think that's your biggest coaching point has to be in the dynamic warm-up yeah because you never know when that kid may affect his teammate at at practice and say hey do, do this better you know they can become little coaches themselves so we hammer that, and then we go into um, some type of agility for that day. So it'll be about 15 to 20 minutes spent on warm-up, agility, change of direction, um, some type of single-leg movement, uh, or, in a, or, or bounding. Uh, for, knee, for knee issues or potential knee issues? No, just development. Just development. Development. Uh, um, lateral development, uh, linear development, uh, vertical we're going to teach them how to truly jump. Uh, on Saturdays, we have a speed school where we teach them how to truly sprint. Uh, 
kid yeah. is always told go go run to that, for instance, base, sprint to that cone and take a right. We're going to break it down and treat you the biomechanics of sprinting, especially in a youth, because as soon as they hit that puberty and they wound up and grow six inches, we're going to reteach it. Interesting. But they'll be they'll be already a little bit developed yeah. before they get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's crazy on the what I love seeing the the speed side of things when we do it is is like session one is like the worst athlete you've ever seen in your life. Session two that that kind of stuck. I didn't expect that to stick with him. Session three they're moving and sprinting. Now they might not be a bit faster, but the, the the part is they've got the mechanics down. Now they can keep layering. Now they can put add strength to those mechanics and then get faster. Um, I tell these athletes all the time. I said if a coach shows up or a couch uh, coach. A coach or a scout shows up to the field and you're running like a fool and don't even look like you're fast, they're not going to keep paying attention. But if you run pretty and slow, they're at least going to pay attention for a little longer. Right. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. And so, and with that onboarding um, of a new client, so you're kind of you're, you're finding out what their energy is, you're finding out, you know, how to, the educational process would go. And then what does a typical session look like? Is it an hour? Is it 30 minutes? Is it? Kind of walk us through some of that. So they're they're all an hour. To, they're all an hour long. Uh, we start them each day at three thirty, four fifteen, and five o'clock. And what we found with those start times is kind of which school can get the where and when, and how parents can get out of drop off and that that type of thing. So to build off of what we were kind of talking about in that last little piece, they're gonna they're gonna do a dynamic warm up. They're gonna do some type of um, agility training or jumping. And then we're going to go into the resistance training of things, and we're going to always teach them in a, in a two two day split how to deadlift properly. Um, that can be a scary term for parents if if they know if they know a little bit, it can be a scary term. If they know nothing, they just drop them off and leave. Uh, we're going to teach them how to squat properly. Um, but again, we're going to take that athlete and adapt it to whatever whatever it could be. We want to see those movements basically. We want to develop, develop the hinge, develop the squat. And then develop single single leg and unilateral movements. So we'll build our um, training around that. Gotcha. Um, and it usually doesn't vary too much throughout the year. Now, when we have baseball players, we're very much going to put a lot more um, arm care in those workouts. A lot more, uh, you know, band training for the posterior shoulder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they'll, they'll work out from resistance training for about thirty minutes. So you got twenty minutes warm up agility. 30 minutes resistance, and then we'll have some kind of thing at the end with a, with a, with a stretch, PNF-style stretch, where we teach them how to stretch um, properly as well. Yeah. It's an action-packed nice. kind of hour. Um, they keep moving. Yeah. Uh, we'll push some sleds, do some different fun things at the end for them, kind sure. of keep there. Yeah, there's one of the um, physical therapists that I really like. His name's Kelly Starrett. Have you heard him? He's a, And he wrote a book called Desk Bound, and I think there's another one about a supple leopard. Supple leopard, Yeah. Uh, but I remember reading in his book where he was talking about, there's two things that I really liked. One, he was talking about kids when they're three or four years old before they're sitting in a classroom all day long and how their gait pattern was perfect, exceptional. And then they would, once they started sitting six or eight hours in a classroom every day, their gait pattern would change because of how they were sitting all day long. And then he was talking about uh, even like college athletes or professional athletes. And he was in the football world. I think he's in San Francisco. But he said they they would spend two and a half hours a day working out as hard as they possibly could. And then they would spend the other 15 hours playing video games all day long. Mm-hmm. And he said that it, the two and a half hours of working out wasn't enough to change the 
constant sitting and playing video games all day. And I'm seeing that now with our kids too, where you're, and we see this all the time. We're seeing kids that have spines that are not, not great. And they're already having issues at seven or eight or nine years old, but they're sitting in front of a computer or a tablet or in a desk for eight or nine hours a day. Uh, so I'm curious what a kid should be, um, how much they should be walking or running or how much they should be walking on their own or exercising on their own, or if you give them any sort of program. So if they come in and they say, Hey, my Johnny's playing baseball, he's practicing four times a week. He's coming to see you three times a week in the off season. What do you recommend for him to do on his own? Usually the, the clientele that we're dealing with, they're already doing a lot. Really? This a lot of travel. Um, like you said, with the, with the soccer, baseball. So, if anything, we want them to go to sleep more, um, <laughs> drink more water, water, drink more yeah. water, and sleep more. Good points. Stay in the sunlight, natural things like that. Uh, we don't give a lot off, off out the gym. Uh, we we try to, you know, preach proper nutrition, get better sleep habits. Uh, at the end of the day, it is what it is. We're not going to change the household and how the household dynamic, works. For sure. yeah. um, so we're not going to beat our head, wasting our time mm-hmm. trying to change the household dynamics. Mm-hmm. Uh, if a kid really wants it. He'll come. We'll give them things, and then they'll you'll see them. But we're not going to change the house, household dynamics, nor is it worth our time. But the little things of just getting more sleep, getting more hydration, getting plenty of sun—those three things would be up there. Yeah. Do you use? Do you look at any like spinal analytics, or work with any chiropractors, or, or shoot any videos to look at biomechanic patterns and that kind of stuff? Or we don't um, with. With what we do, it's still keep it simple. Yeah, uh, resistance training and how it best fits that kid. And we, our tr- our biggest belief is that, you know, resistance training will fix a lot of things if right. it's done done. Resistance training done right, mm-hmm. uh, strength training done right will fix a lot of issues. Nice. Uh, and that goes kind of for the whole, all populations. Yeah, uh, we in our adult sector we work with people as old as eighty, and they're still deadlifting. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, they're still, we're That's still cool. trying to do some type of squat sure. hinge. Uh, definitely trying to make sure they're creating bone, more bone mass or containing the, keeping the bone mass that they have through resistance training. So yeah, that's a whole different part, but you know, we, we do get to see those populations. Yeah. yeah. Do you, you have, have any special thoughts on, uh, and this might sound weird, like shoes and you see a lot of different things with people that do that have like weightlifting or CrossFit shoes. They see people that go barefoot. You see the shoes that are kind of barefoot. Um, any special philosophies or thoughts on that? No philosophies outside of the fact that a good, like true, like a Metcon or something like that is a good weightlifting shoot for and then an individual that comes to me in running shoes, it does make it a little more difficult to deadlift and squat with a rolled up front forward foot in a narrow base. Uh, with kids, we just getting to put shoelaces in so we can do agility drills is a is a, is a bigger um, battle. But something with a with a harder a side like a Metcon, yeah, it allows them to do the agility drills because remember we're on inside, we're not on grass where they can put cleats on and you know grab and go. So it's more about just being able to, it's not about the lifestyle of, you know, the barefoot walking versus with the shoe right. or with the shoe with an insole. It's more about being able to perform the lifts or the exercises at, at a higher efficiency uh, versus outside the gym. Yeah. And and so is fitness kind of your, your 
that's your job, but then it seems like you're pretty passionate about it in all areas. Do you have any other hobbies or things that you like to do? Um, you're a woodworker, aren't you? No, no. not at all. <laughs> Shit, no. My wife is. Halo. You like to play Halo at night. I haven't played video games. I like to fish. Fishing. A lot of offshore fishing. Um, big college football fan. So that kind of that's kind of my thing. I'm a new dad of an 11-month-old, so that's kind of a hobby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but right now, business, family, and fishing when I can. Um, just got back from Prince Edward Island in Canada. Went bluefin tuna fishing up there, and that was that was pretty adventurous. Uh, got stuck there for three extra days because a hurricane decided to hit Canada for the first time. Yeah. And uh, knocked out the airport. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, fishing would be it. Um, and what's, what's your what's your, your thoughts, thoughts on Canadians after being there? Mm-hmm. So Prince Edward's Island and that area that just a bunch of South Carolinians just <laughs> hanging kind of, out, kind of country folk, <laughs> just really? just living off the land yeah. and uh, farmers, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it was a, it was a fun trip. Some I would never would imagine going and just kind of random trip came together. Yeah. But yeah. And tell, and tell us this, like, just as the uh, on the business owner side of things, like, what does a day in the life look like for you? Like, what's an average day? Um, what time do you start? What time do you end? Just to give perspective for everybody that thinks they should be running a gym or opening a gym. Yeah. Uh, so, wake up about 3.15, get to the gym about 4.45. Wow. I live in about 2. A.M. or P.M.? A.M. A.M., yeah. <laughs> get to the gym around 4. Um, make sure... That's my thinking time. No matter what happens, no matter how easy my day is, my thinking time is not from 11 to 2 when my break is. It just It's not when I'm a free thinker or a powerful thinker. I can think really well at 4 a.m. to 5 a.m. That's my time. So that's the time that I decide to go and work on little things and work on you know some things I may have, usually what's out front and yeah. what, or, or you know looking at different things ideas or businesses or something like that. Um, that's my, my my time to myself where everything's quiet. No one's there yet. And I can just kind of have, I wouldn't say deep thoughts, but clear thoughts of and, and really numbers add up easier. Um, mm-hmm. Everything is just easier for me in that hour. Gym opens up at 5. Um, it stays open until 10, 30, 11. My break is usually somewhere between 11 and 2 every day, 2, 2.30. Then we'll go back to the gym at that time until 5.36. Get home, have that family time. The baby lets you know when she's ready to go to sleep about 7. And then me and my wife, we're both asleep about 8.30 every night. Yeah. Wow. Um, So that's the life every day. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it's a grind. And But when we took this new gym on, when I took this new gym on, as you know, I knew it was going to be a grind. So I've got a a two-year plan and kind of worked. Out of that, and yeah. we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Um, what, what, what are the, the hours of the gym? gym? Just do you, you guys are you guys open seven days a week, or we are five days a week? Five days, um, Monday through Friday, or Monday through Friday, and and then do some speed work on Saturday morning with the youth. Gotcha. Okay. okay. Nice. Is, Is your, your wife involved at all with the gym? Do you want her involved at all with the gym? <laughs> what she is involved with she doesn't want to be involved with she (laughs) has a she has a pretty i have to drag her in because i need help sometimes um she builds schools for a living Uh, she works for our our construction company they just build um forest acres elementary over here 
So, uh, yeah, she's a lot bigger dog than I am, so I don't have time to, she don't really have time for me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, when when I, when I bring her in, it's not because she was willingly wanting right. to help with something. Yep. Yeah. Gotcha. And I think you answered this, but to reiterate, or you can expand upon this, I wrote down, you know, kind of to what's, what's your vision and like what's next. And I think what I heard you say was, Really focus on the three-mile radius and try to look at strategies to make your training more year-round and tapping into dance and cheerleading and that kind of thing. Is there anything else to expand upon or, or what you think the next five years looks like, ten years looks like for you? Yeah, well, I, I, there's two things on the adult side. The kids' side, we've kind of covered. Um, that's you know, We feel good about where that direction is, but as a whole, one-on-one personal training – has kind of died yeah. in this area. You know, group fitness is really taking it over. Mm-hmm. So we want to build our one-on-one personal training. We'll do that very organically, and we'll do that with less marketing. Uh, you can you can still guerrilla market and do that very easily. Uh, we'll get more in the marketing side on what we call what is unique to our to our fitness space, yeah. and that's what we call our three XP method. It's small group training, and it's unique to anywhere. Um, so it's small group training, and it, we have start times every 15 minutes. So at 5 a.m., 5.15, 5.30, 5.45. Small group means five individuals, one coach. 3XP stands for prime power pursuit. So it's a 45-minute workout. Five people, five clients, one coach, 15-minute block, 15-minute block, 15-minute block, nice. out the door. Um so prime, we're going to do a lot of your prehab type stuff. It's going to be a lot of shoulders. It's going to be a lot of hips. It's going to be a lot yeah. of low back warm ups. And you're going to do a true warm up for 15 minutes in that prime section. Now, where we're different than a lot of gyms is that, or a lot of you know group based gyms, we're going to do a lot of strength in that power pro part, squats, deadlifts, um, overhead pressing of some type. Um, no barbells involved actually, but it's trap bars, it's safety squat bars. Um, and you'd have to, we'd have to get into what our avatar client is and why that is and what we do because of that. So a lot of strength training in the power block. And then the last block, which is the pursuit block, that's, it's a split screen um, with two se- separate sides of the workout. It is so you can pursue what you're after. We have people who still really, really want that deep sweat. Um, so that would be what this side can, they can choose to do on that side of the room. And then we have this hypertrophic side so that will, so Metcon versus hypertrophic, you choose what you want to do in that given day, cool. whether it's bodybuilding for the beach or it's burning off the weekend. Right. Um, we've, st- we've got that ability at the end of each workout. Um, so prime power pursuit, that's what the three XP cunt came, came derived from. Um, 45 minute small block, uh, 45 minute small group. So what we call our small group is the white space. You've got your personal training one-on-one, higher costs. You've got your group training one to 24 to 36, maybe two coaches in that. And we're somewhere in the middle of that white space. Yeah. And that's what we really want to promote. We want to keep working on. Um, we're not the high cost here. We're not the low cost here. But we're still giving you a, a large amount of coaching for the price you're paying. Nice. So a new person then when they come in, is there a cost for them to have a consultation or do they – how does it work for a brand new person who's calling in? We do two – Two complimentary. Nothing's free in life. We do complimentary sessions. Yep. And uh, once they get that, we'll show them the numbers, show them what they want to do. We have a lot of dual, what we call members that have dual gym memberships. 
because we do a lot of strength training, we'll have a lot of people who will um, do two days a week with us. And we have an I like heart package where you could do eight sessions a month, 12 sessions a month, 16 sessions a month. Usually that ends to be two sessions a week, three sessions a week, four sessions a week. Yeah. So a lot of people, we always want to make sure they see at least two days of what we do. That way, if they want to be that two time a week, that eight session a month client and still get their, you know, much higher metabolic output workout like an Orange Theory or a CrossFit or something like that, um, they can go do that as well and still be a part of our gym just on a two time a week pattern. Yeah, I like that too. And I've seen that in some people who they go to Orange Theory um, for five or six days a week, but it's almost the same thing all the time and there's no real like mobility or specific strength coaching in that in that component so now i'm seeing people with two or three gym memberships which i always thought was crazy i used to look at older people when i was younger and be like why do you need so many gym memberships and the older i get the more i think like i need three or four just to keep yeah. my flexibility and my strength and my cardio and all the other components where they should be so and kind of in closing, I don't know yeah. if you have any questions, but I, I just want to um, kind of ask you, what do you like about Columbia? Because I know you went to University of South Carolina, right? That's And that's where um, you met Brittany Queen. We should give her a shout out. She's the one that introduced us. And then um, kind of what kept you in Columbia? Why are you here? What do you like about it? And then what are some things that you'd like to see change in Columbia? I'm a big fan of Columbia. I think it's growing. Um, I've been here for now 18 years. Uh, what has kept me here is a, a growing business I could, just could, couldn't walk away from. Yeah. It, it kept growing. It kept growing. And then I met my wife of five years this, to, this weekend. Oh boy, don't say it. Whenever the 21st oh, is. Five years. Five what's, years. What's the anniversary? You know what the five-year anniversary is? Wood? No. No. You just say wood automatically. <laughs> um, but, yes, yeah, so she's, she's kept me here. I, I've never really had any ambition. Not to say that I'm not a – I like to travel and stuff, but I, I like Columbia. Columbia yeah. is a little bit bigger where I came from, a good bit bigger than where I came from, but not as big as too big for me. Um, what was that the part? And what, what would you like to see changed about it, or what are some things that you wish would change? With Columbia? Yeah. I'm happy. I don't have – Love Columbia. I feel yeah, like, like we both moved here from – I moved here from Canada. He moved here from Pennsylvania. I'm too busy worried about things I can – Control other things right. I can't control. Yeah, yeah. that's a good attitude. So, uh, real, just, just rapid fire. fire. Looking at the both of us, who runs a faster mile and who can bench press more out of me and Randy? Just pure appearance. First mile time we bench. Met. Randy can run a faster mile. Maybe bench more. Yeah. No, no. There it is. That what you said? I can run a faster mile? Yeah. Yeah. Did you see his leg? I didn't check him out. All right. I'm not checking out dude's legs. No, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> First thing I did. When he walked in, I was spinning around a lot. I don't think it's Jason's. How do people find you? What's, what's, what's the best avenue to find you? What's the website? What's the Instagram? What's, so Instagram is kind of our more, that's where we do a lot more of our letting people know what, what we do. Um, mm -hmm. Our uh, website is arenaclub.co, and it's still a work in progress, and we're working on that. Dot .co, dot not, .co. Com, not com. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll put that in the link. Arena.athletic.club uh, uh, arena on Instagram. That's our main platform that we use um, to let people know what we do. Yeah, And then they send you a DM to schedule an appointment, or you like them to call the, or call the gym? They can do either one. We have a CRM-type website that we can answer questions through there or just a DM on Instagram. Yeah. However they reach out, we'll we'll find them. We'll we'll get back in touch. Cool. Tweet. All right. Well, we appreciate your time. This is great. Here.
We're here for the health of it. For the health of it.